echo, 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 echo. It's funny to look at it on the right. the recording. It looks like stones skipping on a pond. How many are we going to get this week? <laughs> it just yeah. makes me know that everything went well. I, I never know if I'm holding it close enough because it's a pretty small blip compared with how loud I talk, I guess. But yeah, I can definitely here. see it. Are you calling yourself a loud talker? I mean, I think that's a pretty obvious statement, right? <laughs> no, I've been told that I'm loud before. Episode 108 of We Were Gamers, where we bring you the truth. I'm loud. <laughs> it's, it's the easy well, truths that are sometimes hardest to admit. Let us pause for some self-reflection. All right. Well, there's JJ. Hello. The loud one. There's Michael, the reflective one. Hey, everybody. And I have no... Uh, I can't self-evaluate. That's not appropriate. So, I'm Andy. The sleep-deprived one? You know, I, I kept myself up on the plane back. For those that missed 107, I'm just returning from the East Coast from work. And uh, I kept myself up on the plane back. So, I went to bed kind of like at a latish normal time. I slept a lot today. So, the lag feels kind of more like just the normal having kids thing. Like where nor- some people would be well rested after the point of of having slept well, the extra down day that I got, but mm. you know I think uh, in flying I always uh, approve of people that take the tactic of immediately adjust to whatever the new time zone is, whether that means staying up a bunch or immediately going to sleep when you're not tired. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is the best way I find to combat jet lag. And it's especially, like, the more jet lag you accrue, depending on how far you're going, right, the more necessary that is. Yeah. I attempted it on the way out. I, we did a red eye on the way out. So it's pretty hard to sleep on a plane comfortably. Yeah, totally. Yep. Um, I have no fear of flying or anything like that, but I just, if I am not comfortable, I don't sleep. So, As a tall person, uh, I feel your pain <laughs> very you explicitly. Yeah. <laughs> um. You know, the seats have gotten so close together now that you can't even rest your head on your tray table. Yep. I and have noticed that's, that. That's been impossible for me for a pretty long time. I, like, it comes to the point where if I know the plane is going to require sleep, I choose a window seat, which I would never otherwise choose, so that I can lean my head against the bulkhead. It's the only place I can do that. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, unless it's a significant other. That's the only other person you can lean against. <laughs> <laughs> Just make friends, man. Bring on a few bottles of travel whiskey. All right. I see my idea didn't float very well there. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> hey. <laughs> what have you guys been up to? I've been working for a bunch of days. Uh, it's been a little bit of work for me uh, around the home here. Uh, do Homeowner's Minute. Yeah. I uh, I replaced a drain on a sink this weekend. Okay, what portions did you replace? Starting so, from, there's a flange inside the porcelain of your sink. Okay, uh, so this sink isn't porcelain. That's the first step. Metal. Yeah. Uh, okay, there's still a flange well, the, there. The drain, the drain is metal. Yeah. Uh, the cap on the the umbrella thing on the top does not go up and down on this particular sink. It's just fixed. Uh, so the thing that happened was this, this sink has like kind of a bowl shape that comes up. Uh, it, we noticed some, at some point this bowl had become very loose, like it could Mm. be moved, which Uh obviously seems wrong and bad. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, it's like the whole sink literally could be moved, you know, rocked a little bit back and forth. Uh, I wondered like, was something not screwed in on the bottom or something? No, it turned out that the drain had literally cracked. Uh, all the way around and was just a separate piece in so in the middle of the threads that were holding the mm, I, I don't know how to explain it like the two gaskets on either side of the the counter piece essentially in that middle portion it had cracked all the way around and was just completely separate now whoa oh wow it, how was it so, not leaking cuz oh, the gaskets were still in oh, place oh it was it was leaking oh okay <laughs> But we hadn't opened the uh, the cabinet underneath the sink to look uh, until all of a sudden we did. And there was some water that had finally started coming up on the top. And we were like, oh, why is there water here? That's weird. And we noticed the bowl could move. And then we opened the thing underneath. We're like, oh, it's it's super wet down here. Um, 
so yeah, we were like, oh, okay, uh, this is obviously busted. Like, I could lift the whole sink out. That's not how it's supposed to work. Nope. Uh, so we had to unscrew the piece that held the little umbrella thing on the top, uh, take that all the way off so that you could then lift the sink off completely with the broken piece, take the drain and the broken part of the drain out, and then disconnect the thing before the U-trap uh, on the bottom end. Yes, yeah, called a, a P-trap. Thank you. Uh, and, of course, taking that off then just involved taking the P-trap off because there's no space to do it otherwise. Uh, so disassembled that whole thing, um, found a equivalent drain at Home Depot that was probably literally the exact same one that was in there, uh, and, you know, fitted it back in the same way, gaskets on both sides, and then reattached it and strung it all together. Uh, surprisingly, no, like, putty or anything needed, just these, you tighten some washers down, or screw-type things down really tight on these two gaskets, and it's, there's no leaking. Not even, uh, not even like, um, plumber's tape on the, nope on the, wow. Yeah. I was surprised by that. Um, you know, there's a, the heavy sink on top is pushing down on the, the gasket under on the up on the above side of the countertop and then underneath the countertop, there's a threaded screw thing that you just push up and up and up and up and up onto the gasket there. Mm-hmm. And it sort of just sandwiches closed right there. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty surprising. Yeah, usually the the metal um, drain. So like your actual drain, what would you call that? The like the tap out that the metal flange is attached to is usually the only place that there's a good need for plumber's tape. The rest of the plastic stuff is pretty good about. Being having gaskets inside of it, crush washers, etc. Uh, yeah, I just but, would have expected the the metal circle on the bottom of your sink, right? The, mm-hmm. There's a little gasket there. Mm-hmm. I would have expected that would have been the part where you would have wanted something to like keep it water from seeping under there. So you have metal on metal, right? Uh, it's metal on like a glass type substance, but yes. Okay, so you in a lot of porcelain sinks when they pull those those metal flanges that create your drain in what you put in there is called plumber's putty. Mm-hmm. And you yeah, just, I, yeah. I was gonna say I expected there to be something like that, uh, but all the stuff I read was like, nope, you don't need it. Just make sure you get it like really tight on there, not yeah. you know too tight where it starts cracking, which probably is what had happened before. Um, but no, just tight enough. Yeah. So no water gets through. So yeah. we did that. Um, That's cool. It works. It feels yeah, good, yeah. right? Yeah, it was cool. It was surprisingly easier than I thought it was going to be, which plumbing, was kind of fun. Plumbing can go so many different ways, and most of them are sideways. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is funny that you mentioned that, because now it seems like there is water maybe dripping from the faucet underneath that sink. So not from the exit of the faucet where it should be, but from the pipes leading into the faucet underneath. Mm. Ooh. So, so your your water lines. Yes, probably. Uh, I have not... Uh, it's like a really, really slow drip because I didn't see it for like a really long time. Um, have you cycled your... Have you cycled your... Um, your shutoffs in a long time? Oh, you mean like outside? No, the uh, the under the sink, the two valves. Mm. No, I, I didn't turn them off during this process. I suppose I could. Well, I, so a good test for that is to see if when you cycle your shutoffs, if they even move. And if they do move, sometimes they they shoot a little bit of water out, and you can tell which ones are causing problems. Hmm. It, it's leaking at the part where the pipe connects to the faucet up at oh. the top of the countertop. Mm. They just tighten it. Yeah, I, I may do that. <laughs> It's like, I didn't notice it today. It was just like slightly damp under there. And I don't think it was from the other stuff because it was, I had dried all that out at this point. So yeah, the fun never stops when you own a home. Yeah. And it's usually crawling into some ungodly tight space. Yeah. It's real small in there. It's going to be a bummer. <laughs> getting, a, getting a wrench into that corner where the sink is to tighten that is going to suck quite badly. So you need a plumber's wrench. Yeah. One of those like angleable ones yeah it's a very long uh claw-like wrench that you can only turn one direction 
yes, that sounds like maybe what I will need. <laughs> They're cheap. They're good to have. Yeah. You can go around tightening your water lines if you need to. Well, mm-hmm. hopefully it will not come to that, but we will see. Nice. Congratulations, man. Thanks. I mm-hmm. owned a sink. <laughs> <laughs> you, you owned it. Yeah. Nice. <sighs> All right. Homeowners done. Games time. So, nope. Andy. Huh? Yeah. I was, I was going to ask you a question. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Reverse. I like it. So, you, you had us pitch you last week on uh, ways to help keep you awake on the plane. Uh-huh. Uh, so, what did you go with? I'm very invested in the outcome of this here. <laughs> I... I attempted on the way out to sleep, which did not work. So I completed Layton. I have to say, if I want to puzzle myself again, it'll probably be Picross and not the Layton series, despite the fact that it ends on a pseudo cliffhanger there. Yeah. Yeah. The first one does. I kind of think I'll just look up what happens. Fair enough. You know, that seems I don't, reasonable. I don't Cause it's mm. going to take like, five more games to resolve the story or whatever. I don't know uh, how long it would just take. Just two. It's it's two arcs. So the, the one through three is an arc, and then four through six is a prequel arc. I really don't think I can force myself to sit through those puzzles again. I don't know. <laughs> okay. That's I, fair. That's a, it's a fair opinion to have. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't get very far into either of the other games uh, because they is Americans added like entertainment to the back of their seats, and I really wanted to see this movie... Uh, we are hostiles. Hmm. I don't know if you know, it's a Western, um, with Christian Bale, Rosamund Pike, and a couple other people, which I'm kind of a sucker for good Westerns. And, uh, so that left me with a little bit of time to try your guys's idea to plop them both in. And, uh, the immediate impression I got from Radiant Historia was... I'm not going to get a feel for this game in the hour and a half if I split these two things in half to try them both. So I went with uh, Fire Emblem for a little bit of time. Cool. All right. Did you get through the first battle or so that they throw Mm -hmm. at you early on there? Yeah, it feels very much like the uh, Jean d'Arc game. I don't know if you ever tried that for the PS Vita. It might be a PSP game even. Uh, Uh, I don't know if i have but i mean it's a fire emblem is a pretty well-worn tread at this point i guess i could compare it easily to the the mobile game i mean it's not yeah it's not very far off actually yeah the, the mobile game is surprisingly a lot like regular fire emblem when you play it and i think that kind of prepped me a little bit for what to expect and i like it i'm in so I think Fire cool. Emblem is the next thing in the DS. I'm not sure how far I'll get because I've got a real bad itch to get back into finishing off Battletech. Well, you know, it will always be there for you. Uh, that's true. Have you finished Battletech yet, JJ? Uh, I have completed the campaign, yes. Oh, that's uh, right. Okay. I, st- I wanted to start a second campaign just to play through some of the missions that they said they've changed some stuff, like they're adding some... Uh, some enhancements and stuff in their big patch, which is coming soon sometime when it's ready. Uh, and I realized that they were going to add the option to like skip the tutorial and a bunch of stuff. So I stopped, um, midway through the tutorial mission was like, Oh, I could just skip all this stuff next time. Yeah. I don't need to do this. So, uh, I'm, I'm in a holding pattern on Battletech. I still <laughs> like that game a lot. Uh, they said they're talking about adding some, Options to speed the game up for people that want to do that, and options that to for sure. skip the tutorial. Uh, you know, things you could do via mods. Um, there is one really cool mod I've seen out on uh, the internet that sort of turns the game into a w- much shorter experience. Um, instead of like the long full campaign that takes you know twenty, thirty plus hours or more, depending on how many side contracts you get up to. It kind of speeds all the main missions up to be like main mission, main mission, main mission, main mission, and sort of increases the rewards you get from all the missions so that you can keep up a little bit. Uh, That sounds like it might be pretty cool, uh, but I have not investigated it. 
but it sounds like something I would do for like a second playthrough. Nice. They're prepping the game for second playthroughs, it sounds like. Yeah, and I'm sure that uh, as we get farther along here, they're going to start announcing their plans for whatever the next stuff, the next content stuff they want to do, not just like patches and quality oh, of life. Oh, yeah, since so. our last podcast, they were bought out by Paradox. Yeah, Paradox acquired Hairbrain Schemes for like uh, a bunch of money, some millions number of dollars. Uh, and it sounded like at least that all of the, uh, devs and stuff there were pretty happy with that. And it sounded um, also like Paradox had told them to plan to make more Battletech. Yeah, I think that kind of came out at the Paradox convention, which had happened a little earlier where they had pretty much come out and said, yeah, guys, we're gonna, um, yeah, we're gonna make more of this stuff, uh, you know, TBD on what that is exactly, but. It's happening, so... <laughs> Prepare uh, yourselves. Yeah, and Paradox is a pretty well-funded uh, publisher, so I think being acquired by them should give them the resources to do, you know, whatever their crazy minds can devise. Uh, and if it's, you know, anything like this, I think at least, Andrew, you and I would be pretty into it. Yeah, I'm down. <sighs> well, is that... It's clearly not all you've been playing. Uh, it's kind of the only big thing I've been playing. I have been, uh, sticking my nose into, uh, Hearthstone, which has an event going on, uh, this week. How they do you feel a, about those, those Hearthstone tournament changes that they then reversed? That whole thing is so dumb. What do were they doing? They're a little bit listless after having lost their fearless leader a little bit or what uh i don't have an issue with the changes that they were planning to make it's the way they rolled them out in the middle of a tournament cycle after competitors had submitted decks and without allowing them to change their decks that maybe relied on some of those interactions uh which they changed directly um that's the part that's stupid if they want to change cards and not give people refunds for them because they don't consider it a nerf, like that's well. What's interesting about that lame, is something that I've always thought kind of was seemingly bubbling underneath the surface of Hearthstone, which is they don't know what's a glitch and what's it working according to the rules because that card that they're not refunding they said before is was working appropriately, and then when they didn't give people refunds this time, they're like, oh no no no, we're fixing a glitch. So that wasn't the thing that people were mad about in terms of the pro scene. No one was playing that card. That card right. isn't any good. The I thing understand. that people, yeah, and so like them subjecting a card that has a seemingly infinite potential to some kind of cap seems like something they've done in the past and not issued refunds for it. Um, like they did in Yogg's case because it was like so insanely good um, and was being played in all kinds of decks. And they didn't, like this in whole... the case of the Shutterwalk, right, which came sure. more recently uh, and you know is kind of a tier three kind of situation it just seemed um, like the whole thing top to bottom pro scene to plebeian scene all the cards that they changed they didn't really do a good job of communicating at all yeah and then there were a bunch of bugs in the patch also uh which is pretty bad and the fact that the patch had undocumented changes that caused like the way they changed certain mechanics in the patch caused decks that people were playing in the pro scene to not work or to work much worse than they were before like, and then they don't give those people, they're like, oh, sorry, your decks are locked for the for the Pro Tour game that's going to happen, you know, this weekend. Sorry. Like, that's the part where you're like, okay, this is clearly like a you guys changed something out from underneath them. You need to let them resubmit. Like, that's just straight up like, oh, sorry, we invalidated your deck, but you have to play with it anyway. Ha ha. Yeah. Seems like a great way to lose fans. Yeah, so they did eventually reverse course on that stuff, but, like, way too late. Uh, like, it should never have been a problem to begin with. Um, but, you know, that's Blizzard sometimes. <laughs> uh, but, you know, in the wake of all that stuff, um, I've been playing a lot of the new Magic the Gathering Arena, uh, which is still Magic the Gathering. Uh, if you guys ever played that game, yo, this is that. Uh, they implemented the full version of Standard into that game, uh, which the Standard version of Magic is pretty similar to how Hearthstones works. Uh, but because they're adding, they added like two sets all at once uh, and two pretty old sets that are due to rotate out relatively soon, uh, they gave everyone in the game a bunch of copies of the most played cards 
and then one of every rare mythic rare, which is the like legendary equivalent, uh, and two of every common and uncommon in the entire set. So all of a sudden, everyone just had scads more cards. Which, uh, which is, is great for you since you're a free-to-play player, right? Yeah, totally. Um, so I've been messing around uh, with that, building janky decks and playing some stuff. Uh, and that's pretty cool. I don't know. Michael? Uh, I haven't done a ton of gaming in the last week. Um, I've still been making some steady progress at uh, Trails in the Sky, second nice. chapter. Nice. Um, so Where are we? We are in chapter three, the Mad Tea Party. Oh, yes. Um, and I've, I just, it strikes me every time I, I stop and sort of reflect on where I am, how much I like the way these games are paced. Um, in that there are, there are side quests, um, sprinkled throughout for you to do that sort of pull you away from the main story a little bit, but it's not the kind of thing like in a lot of RPGs where you can go off and do, you know, 10 hours worth of questing and then pull yourself back into the story and with a kind of, where was I again? Um, even if you go do all the things that you're able to do tangential to the story at any given point, you're not away from the, the main movement of the game for very long. Yeah. They don't like, there's nothing to stop you from running off and running back to the beginning of the game or whatever, if you want, but there's nothing to do back there either. Other than, you know, check in with the townsfolk and say, hi. Uh, right, can, so can be fun because some of their dialogue does update even in towns way far away from wherever you are. Um, but it's certainly not necessary. Yeah, and this one this one gives you that freedom more than the first one. The first one kind of gated you out of a of town after you left it. Right, you know, and it's a kind of a thematic thing too. You're you have sort of grown in stature. Uh, in the Bracer Guild in that game, so they kind of let you have a little more leeway with like what you're gonna do. They're like, oh, you know what to do. Here's your job. Figure it out. <laughs> it's interesting though because it kind of differs a lot from every Final Fantasy game where you revisit and you revisit and you kind of make these giant loops. Right. They set the games up so that there are things you can't do in the early game because you haven't talked to the right people or you're not a high enough level or you don't have the right equipment. And so you have to come back and keep coming back to see how things have changed. Whereas this one very much propels you forward. It, not to say that they don't return you to some towns maybe that you've seen before, but sure. you know, it's more because, Oh, the action now has moved back to that town. And so there's a reason for you to go back there. Um, you know, it's a. Uh, I agree. The pacing is is one of the parts of that game that makes it really cool. All right, it's time to uh, jump off of us and instead judge others. The elephant in the room, three elephants, E three. Yeah, the right. the big gaming. Uh, I don't know expo. I don't know what you call it. Is it Electronic an Entertainment Expo? Is the three. that is one of the E's? Yeah. Okay, so uh, it's happening in Los Angeles uh, as we speak, I believe. The I'm press sure. conferences have been mostly completed at this point, I think. For the day, yes, they are done. For for today. Uh, uh, the Really, the only ones left are Nintendo? They don't do one. Uh, no. They do like they do a video thing where they reveal stuff, though, typically. I think they have a treehouse. Oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, they'll do that after the video. That's like a stream. Video. Yeah. And they kind of, that's how they do their thing. Um, I know that everybody's probably reading tons of stories on E3 already, and we're not the most, we're not going to E3, obviously. Uh, we're not the most news-oriented organization over here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but maybe, maybe we pop in with, like, some big surprises or some big disappointments or some, some stuff you thought was interesting on, on the news. And that's how we tackle this sort of thing because it's just impossible. I mean, like you could be the, the thing where we do a pod every day this week and, Oh, what's Ubisoft done? And whoa, what's Nintendo done? And what's Microsoft done? And, and being as we're not huge console gamers, none of that stuff <laughs> matters to us overall. So did well, you say that, Oh, what did I do? 
There have been a I would say a theme has been a surprising number of things also coming to the PC this year. And yes. and old things and new things. So see, this is your surprising thing. Yeah. Uh there was a at least in the terms of the stuff that I've seen and like I can't claim to have watched all the press conferences, but I read, you know, an article here and there about here's the stuff that got announced or whatever, you know, bullet points. Uh and there were a surprising number of games that get announced for Oh, here it's coming to PS4 and PC, or it's coming to all platforms and PC, right? And a lot of stuff that I would not have expected to come to the PC, like Dragon Quest XI. That is a shocker. Uh, yeah. That's a mobile I, I game, right? It's always been a mobile game. Mm. Or maybe not back in the no. I think the old Dragon Quest, yeah. I think some of the old Dragon Quest were console games, but they didn't bring all of them to the states. Right. So this game has been out in Japan for a relatively while, uh, but it is a you know single player RPG. Uh, you know, in the vein of all the other Dragon Quest games, so Akira Toriyama characters and art. Um, and boy, it sure looks like one of those. Uh, but it is coming to PC, and I'm pretty sure this is the first one on PC, at least over here in the West. Uh, so that's sizable news, at least in my book. Um, and another game I never expected whatsoever to see ever again was uh, from the original Xbox. A game called Metal Wolf Chaos is coming to Steam, courtesy of Devolver Digital. Do you guys know this game? No, I I can't say that I knew it before E3, and then the internet blew up about it, and I had to look into it. So it is a game with a cult following. I learned about it first after watching it in a speedrun format. I don't know if it was an AGDQ or uh, a different speedrunning thing that someone pointed me to. Um, but the game is uh, the president of the United States piloting a mech fighting off a coup started by the vice president of the United States, also in a mech. Uh, Standard. Yeah, just, you know... Uh, it has some really bad voice acting, um, but like hammy in the way that like old PlayStation games and like PS2 era games were. Uh, and, you know, this is from the original Xbox. It was only ever released in Japan, so it was never released in the West. Uh, and consequently, it's been impossible to find uh, and play over here. Um, but man, uh, I don't know why they decided to bring this to the West, uh, but, you know, a lost FromSoft classic. It's a weird thing to bring over here now, considering maybe you know, current popular culture. I think that uh, anyone can get on board the idea of a really stupid action movie starring the president, a la Air Force One or yeah. Independence Day. Uh, and this definitely follows in those footsteps. I mean, the president like explodes out the front windows of the white house in his mech suit yelling for his vice president who's flying away in a plane because you know anime <laughs> yeah uh and like you know 500 guns sprout out of the back of his mech and they shoot at each other because also anime i'm i'm putting too much on it obviously you can way get behind stories about the president all those types of things uh i think at some point isn't solid snake the president Spoilers. uh you mean Solidus Snake, who is absolutely not Solid Snake, but it, yeah, they, I mean they do sword fight on the top of the Treasury Building, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. All, all these things coming. Now, it, uh, it that's definitely a game that people have been asking for for years and years and years. Though it's a game there was really no way to play legally uh, outside of Japan and outside of an original Xbox. Um, so I think it's nice that someone is paying attention to that stuff, uh, and you know whatever the game is, they're they're trying to bring it over. It is a little bit shocking to see this the explosion of well, I mean, does it really cost us to go archive it for people to buy on PC? You know, yeah, and I mean, I think they're talking about you know, oh, we're upresing the assets to 4K and making it widescreen because in 2004, widescreen was not a guarantee. Sure. 
uh, and you know, reworking the controls a little bit or whatever. But, My original you know, that Xbox worked. was definitely plugged into a tube, non-widescreen yeah, totally. tube, because I guess you could technically get a widescreen tube, but four by three. Yeah. So, yep. you know, I, I think it's good that people are out there doing that work for games that people want that have kind of, you know, disappeared to time. So, you know, whatever you think about the content of the game itself. Nice. Let's get some MechWarrior re-releases going. Yeah, man. Mech Commander. That's a pretty good game. Or or any of the Mech 2 games. Yeah. I and, mean, you know, I think... Or hmm. Mech 4. Yeah. Some of those are still available, but I don't know which ones. But, like, up-resed in 4K, you know? like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you yeah, know, I Mech... Think... Go ahead. I was going to say, I think just sort of in general, nostalgia is having a moment in the in the gaming world. <laughs> Everywhere. <laughs> Well, yeah, Movies. everywhere, but in in gaming too. I just I caught a little bit of the uh, the Sony presser just before we uh, we hopped on here and saw that they have remastered Resident Evil Two. There you go. Ooh, and are re releasing that. Arguably one of the ones think people think are the best, right? Yeah, yeah, and I know that that remake of Resident Evil One was well liked. Uh, yeah, and people have been salivating for Resident Evil Two, which is the better liked game. Yeah, and given given the reaction of the crowd, it was uh, it was a, a good choice. Right on. Um, I was surprised by two things. I was surprised by one thing, and surprised that I was surprised by another thing. Um, I was surprised by Skull and Bones. Have you, have you guys heard of this? Say, yes. The the Ubisoft pirate game, um, which is mm-hmm. not related to the other pirate game that just came out that's not been doing very well, which was popular for five minutes and then went away. I can't remember which one that's, that's called. Sea of Thieves sea is of the other Thieves. one. That's the right one. It. This is called Skull and Bones, and it's by Ubisoft, and they're using uh, Assassin's Creed Black Flag, I guess. Had a lot of ship combat in it. And they're using that as a base for this one. And it's, uh, it looks like some sort of tactical ship-based game. And I'm really into ship-based games. It's <laughs> cool. Yeah. No, I, I think that they're cool and that they don't get done because they're hard. And because when they aren't aren't done well, they're really bad. But I remember the days of like Silent Hunter... And a couple other, you know, like nautical games that I, I really miss that style and I hope that it's good. And, and I was surprised by the fact that it looked so good. Can you drift your ship? I assume, right? I think it looks more <laughs> accurate to, uh, so Sea of Thieves is like, oh, look, we're going into the wind, but we're still moving forward. This looks a little bit more accurate to the, like, we got to, like, rig for speed and go with the wind and go around this island and pop out the other side because they'll be there. And, like, yeah, maybe you can drop your anchor to drift your ship, but that's about it. You can, like, tack and you got to do all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and each of the ships seems like they have specialties. So, like, one ship they showed had, like, a uh, eight-shot cannon on the front of it, but it seemed actually pretty hard to aim because boats are moving on the ocean. <laughs> right and, and also like a forward cannon is right usually blocked by your sails and it's bouncing see. up and down and up and down with the waves and so it's much easier to get a broadside off right so they show the ships pulling up against each other and just blasting away and you know as as you do as ship combat. you do um it seems like there's a like a some sort of reputation system or something involved because um, the pirates can team up with each other to take down bigger ships. Like if you your your pirate ship goes up against a frigate, you're gonna lose. There's no like griefing the game or cheating or kiting or whatever. Um, if Would it, you, you say get, it is a like like a raid? Yeah, maybe, but it doesn't seem like it's a. It might be a co op game. I can't quite tell. Um, I I think it is because I br- was reading something about it earlier that apparently. There's nothing to prevent you from teaming up with someone to take down a bigger ship, and then after you've taken it down, turning on them and robbing them too. Yeah, or them doing it was written as them doing it to you. So it's it's called a tactical action game in the open world, but it's not a like online thing. 
So it's not like you're hmm. partying up um, just in game or whatever. Um, I mean, them turning on you is a very pirate thing to do. So right. Yeah. That so part maybe makes it might be, sense. The system sounds a little bit maybe more like the division where you have like a single player campaign and then you can go into what they call the, it looks like here in the press release, they call it the disputed waters. Like the PvP area. The, yeah, so like go to the PvP zone and maybe you can get better rewards or whatever. Um, cool. But yeah, they definitely had in the trailers and stuff, it was like wind positioning and, and different weaponry based on the type of ship you chose. And you can use your crow's nest to see things. And I'm interested in that type of stuff. I want to see naval combat actually done well and, and hopefully they do a good job. So... I was surprised that it looked as good as it did. And then, um, did anyone see the trailers for Starlink? It's another, Starlink. I think it's also a UB game. That name rings a bell. I read, I must have read something about it. I'm not sure if I watched anything on it. So, is this the thing that has the Nintendo tie in? Yes. So it's on okay. all the platforms, and it's another toys to games type thing. Um, where you, you buy kits and the kits have your starship in them, but the starships are modular. And so you plug your controller into the starship and you can mix and match from all the different kits and, uh, and the controller reads that and translates it into the game. So like you can put missiles and lasers or all lasers or whatever on your little starship. And, um, I was not into that idea really at all it just seems like an idea who they've already done in the past and i think a lot of those toys to game games have kind of died eventually because people got sick of buying the toys exactly yeah you just end up with a bunch yeah. of junk um and you get a little pilot i guess too that you can switch out like you can put that pilot with that ship or whatever uh the nintendo tie-in for it though is actually <laughs> star fox so one of the one of the kits is the switch like starter kit and the switch starter kit comes with an R wing. You can literally play as one of the in the Star Fox ship instead of the other Yeah. It comes mm -hmm. with Star Fox as a pilot. So you can use Star Fox pilot with an R wing instead of the rest of the game, and that seemed kind of cool. But you also get a R wing toy, and that seems really cool. <laughs> the truth comes out; he just wants the amiibo. Uh, yeah, right. It's <laughs> kind of like, hmm. You could put that in front of the Star Fox amiibo, and you'd have a pretty cool collectible. I have a feeling the Switch ones will sell much better than the rest of them, <laughs> considering it's a Switch exclusive. Right? Yeah. Uh, I think it is coming. To, oh, the the Star Fox one is the a Star, Switch exclusive. Yeah, the Fox yeah, 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 yeah. Is a yeah. yeah. and the Star Fox content. Right. There's extra Star Fox content that's Switch exclusive as well. Because obviously, Star Fox would not show up on the PS4 or Xbox or right, whatever. Sure. Um, so I was surprised that that somewhat interested me after they were like, "Hold on," and one more thing. I was like, "Yeah, yeah, whatever." <laughs> but. Uh, Man, the little ship looks kind of cool. I don't know. Anyway, moving on. Michael? Uh, I think the first thing that surprised me was kind of disappointing, and that is how poorly Square Enix showed up this year after, what, a three-year hiatus? And then spending the last several weeks getting all of their fans excited, they wound up just showing a bunch of things that had been either already announced or had been shown at earlier press conferences didn't show anything new other than a couple of real brief teases without enough information to get people excited about them. And then that was it. I think the only really big thing I took away from Square Enix was they gave a date for Kingdom Hearts. I think that's probably big news. Yes. So the date was big. Um, but they, you know, That's the, kinda the it. footage that they showed was the same footage that Microsoft had showed the day before. Right. So even, you know, even that wasn't new, uh, at least tonight, Sony showed different footage. Um, there, Andy, spoiler, there might be naval combat in that as well. In Kingdom Hearts? They put, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean oh, into this one. That's cool. I also saw that there was, uh, going to be Frozen in it as well. 
Yep. yep. They, it's clearly a, like, frozen world. Yeah. Uh, there's Elsa and the snowman and the one, whole thing straight up. One should have expected this, is all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't care. Whatever. Uh, I'll buy and play that game. I'm likely to get a PS4 once it actually comes out. I don't January believe January 29th. Them. I don't believe it. No way. Well, this is the first time they've ever put a date on it. Right. So. With Operatively... The first time yeah. they've put a date on it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Won't be the and last actually, time, probably. They did announce, Andy, um, a bundle with all of the intermediate chapters along with KH3 for PS4. Intermediate chapters? So they yeah, put out 2.8 2. 2. and, and 1.5? Yeah, there was one more in there. 2.5? Yeah. Yes. So, so the, the, the way you have 2.5, I don't point- think you need 2.8. No, you do. It's different games. Ugh. I know, and you shouldn't do it. <laughs> it's too much. <laughs> you don't have time for even one of those games. You might as well just play the third one and be confused like everyone else. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, I, <laughs> I watched that Kingdom Hearts 3 trailer with, with Elsa and everything they showed, and all the parts where they were showing Disney stuff, they showed some Toy Story stuff and some other stuff where you're like, okay, I get this. This looks like Kingdom Hearts stuff. And then when they cut to the dudes in the black robes who were like Kingdom Hearts things, and they started like talking about Sora and people whose names that I remembered, and then they talked, they showed people who I definitely did not know, they're acting like I should maybe, uh, and there was some big climactic scene in the trailer that I didn't understand whatsoever, and they had no, no mention of anything or any character I've ever heard of before. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's going to be how that game goes, I suspect. I, what I'm shocked about is like they didn't. They're not even going to try to uh, to onboard people and be like, eh, we don't care anymore at this point. Yeah. I mean, maybe they will in the game, but they certainly weren't in these trailers. That's shocking. Uh, what else did you enjoy or see, Michael? What else did I see that sounded good? Um, there were a bunch of teases for things. Um, or there's a new Ori game coming. Ori and the Will of the Wisp. Cool. That looked really good. Um, they teased the new Jedi Fallen Order game that comes out late this year. Oh, man. Do we think yeah. that's a Bioware 2 also, right? Is that, am I wrong? Uh, I don't remember if Bioware was attached to that one. Because mm. it was EA oh, who... it's EA, right, yeah, so it's probably Bioware. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that would be them. I don't or uh one of the other EA studios who also does games. Uh hmm. Who would, other EA studio would they give it to? Maybe EA they give owns it to like eight million studios, dude. It's like EA whatever, <laughs> EA this city, EA that city, so it could be any of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh who made Titanfall? Uh it's Respawn Entertainment, I think. So that's the other probably the big champion that they could give it to to make some thing. You would think they were making Titanfall 3, but maybe they wanted to do some Star Wars stuff. I don't know. But, you know, I'm in for a cool Star Wars thing, man. Like a real game with a story and, and stuff that isn't an MMO and is not a, like, shooter, direct shooting, like, Battlefield kind of game. Do you think there's a chance of getting that? They, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> no, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They don't. they since the reboot, I feel like they're they're sort of pushing to get people back into Battlefield, and they might so they might go a different direction with another game. Oh, do you think it's another type of different Battlefield type game? No, I would. If anything, I would guess that they would go farther away from Battlefield to try and not poach their own fans. Yeah, that's that's sort of where I was thinking because, like, why if you already have a shooter franchise that's Star Wars based, why would you make another shooter franchise that's Star Wars based? Okay, you know, so I I don't know if they then do like a straight action game, like some of those like old Force Awakens, not Force Awakens. Uh, what were those ones where you played like Darth Revan and that stuff? Oh, uh, Knights of the Old Republic. Republic, Yeah, yeah. So like that kind of stuff. I don't know if they would go full RPG like the the Bioware ones were, but, you know, you could certainly make action games out of those things. Sure. Give people Jedi powers to jump around and swing and fight or whatever. 
Batman, but Jedi's. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would be kind of cool. That's a great idea. Why don't they do that? Just copy Jedi Batman. Batman games. Yeah. And I mean, you know, look, Jedi's aren't going to go solve mysteries or whatever like Batman does, but they could be on some kind of quest. Who knows? I, I don't think no, they've said on. anything I, about I think that you're game other than the I think name. I really think we have to explore here. Jedi's solving mysteries. Yoda <laughs> kind of does that, Layton. right? He, he, he's like, what are these clones all about in one of those movies? I've kind of forgotten everything about those movies other than the memes. <laughs> <laughs> the, oh, speaking of the memes, uh, the memes out of E3 were strong. My favorite being... Come to expect nothing about Final Fantasy VII, still disappointed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that seems like how it goes. <laughs> yeah. I, they announced that game. They should not have done that. This is, I think when they announced that game, there was literally no person involved in it building it yet. This is why I said uh, PS4 will purchase will not be happening before Kingdom Hearts 3 hits a shelf. Right. <laughs> right on, you guys. Oh, my brain is fried. I'm, 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 it's midnight east time. Seems like it's uh, going to be some stuff out there for everyone, hopefully. Oh, yeah. And there's uh, more to come. Any hopefuls over the rest of this weekend? I don't know. I, I don't get worked up over the E3s anymore. I used to when it was smaller and less newsy. Uh, I think one of the, well, just a real brief thing. I was, one thing that caught my attention was a tease by, um, Bethesda. They are, uh, coming out with another single player RPG called Starfield. And I have, I've liked a lot of their single player stuff in the past. So I am optimistic without, you know, knowing anything about it other than they showed a, it's supposed to be sci-fi and they showed a space station orbiting a distant planet. Are you into the Bethesda games? Um, We've heard JJ's multitudinous opinions about Skyrim and that style of game, open world RPG. Yeah, I've liked, I'm trying to remember what the the last one that I really devoted a lot of time to was. Oh, I was just gonna say, there's a chance we could get the uh, the Mass Effects that we never got here, you know, in a way. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. ver- it's very possible. However, they did describe that as a next generation game. What does that even mean? What does that even mean? Yeah, did they say next generation engine? Nope, they just said or just next gen. But that maybe they meant engine, but maybe they meant something else. I don't know. I don't know what that means. Game companies usually think about what they say before they say it. So if they said next-gen game, they meant next-gen game. But, like, you know, is it the their next-gen, like the next generation of Bethesda stuff? Maybe it's just not running on the Skyrim engine, which is yeah. also the Fallout 4 engine, which is also the Fallout 76 mm-hmm. engine. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, at some point they're going to have to make a new thing for a new thing, so... Yep. Um, but that game sounds like it's a ways off. Yeah, I'm not expecting that anytime soon. It's on the Final Fantasy VII timeline. Yeah. <laughs> they also did tease, uh, Andy, for you to look forward to, they teased Elder Scrolls Six. Yeah. Which sounds like it's coming after that Starfield game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I liked Skyrim and my time with it quite a bit. I don't know if it's replicable. I mean, they've been making those Elder Scrolls games for a pretty long time, though. And there are definitely people that have played all of them and play them all, like Morrowind uh, comes to mind with the the fan base that it has. Mm -hmm. Um, And they all have their own fan bases, and people have tried rebuilding the games inside the newer engines when they come out, and that's good. I applaud those people. I understand why they like them that much, but I never fell down the Bethesda trap as hard as I did with Skyrim. Something about that game felt unique and special compared to the previous ones. Maybe it was more polished, a little less um, visual text 
I don't know. You came to it quite a bit after release, after all of the problems that people typically have with those games have sure. likely been ironed out, sure. or the obvious stuff anyway. My memories, though, of like Morrowind, etc., were that, yeah, they were 3D games, and yeah, you did some combat, but the the, the it definitely felt more like it was just happening on paper. Like, y one of your complaints about Skyrim in the past, JJ, was that the combat didn't feel like it had any weight to it at all. Yeah. And that was even worse previous to the game oh, totally. that came before that. And the the NPCs were basically lifeless before Skyrim. So parts of it and why it's such had such longevity and why it's now in VR and that, you know everything else is the shocking improvement over the previous games and um and really how much time they put into making it feel more alive than the other games and that it's hard to get in such a big game, such an open game. And, um, you know, you can get it forced on you in things that are smaller, like Mass Effect or other RPGs, which are more scripted. Um, I'm interested to check out Starfield and maybe Elder Scrolls Six, but if it's just more of the same, I don't know that it'll grab me. It's a long yeah. answer to that question. <laughs> well, I think it's fair. Enough. Trading on nostalgia is interesting. And we're going to get to a point and I don't know if you guys feel the same way that making newer games that feel like old games is not going to feel new and it'll maybe pry people back towards finding things like metal wolf chaos to publish because I watched those fallout 76 things and I thought, eh, and a lot of people seem to be losing their minds over it. But Fallout is a very popular franchise with a lot of people who really, really like that universe. I understand that. No qualms against it. But it didn't seem like new. Over, the, I mean, they definitely proved that it's new, right? There's new lighting effects and new texturizing and, oh, now everything's green because it's a different time period, right? Um, the reading the lore of the fallout universe is very interesting and i see why people have played each of the games to get more and more of it it seems like they put a lot of time into it but um to create this new game that they came up with this base building open world thing they tried to trade on the nostalgia of fallout which is not very heavy on my side of it and so when I looked at the mechanics of what they were building, I was like, I don't, I don't want to play a persistent game where people are blowing up my base. That doesn't sound like fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's totally fair. I have, I played Fallout 3 quite a bit, uh, and it was kind of where the Bethesda open world game kind of lost its luster for me. And as a consequence, I didn't really play Skyrim and I didn't play Fallout 4. Um, and I don't, the Fallout 76 equally looks, you know, not like my cup of tea. So I, I totally get that. I think it's, I think it's a fair criticism to have. It's weird to feel so outside of an event like this with people feeling hype on everything. I think there was a new Halo game announced maybe. Yes. Man, it's another We Were Gamers moment of just feeling a little bit removed from from the hype machine and the, the culture uh, seems to trade on it. Well, you know, you can take a cynical view of that and say that, Hey, that's the corporations trying to sell you stuff there. Uh, and maybe being outside of that hype machine, having a little more critical eye might be a good thing. Yeah. I don't want to be cynical about it. Cause a lot of it is driven by people's actual physical passions for these games. And I don't mind if somebody wants to play a new halo game, I, it's no, more totally, power to go them. for it. But it definitely feels like a a weight on the industry from the outside looking in a weight on the industry of just like trading on on old games without new games. I don't know. It's I just feel it more and more each E three. I feel like with with something like E three, you also get because there is so much hype from the people who want to see the next game in these beloved franchises that the things that are truly new tend to get buried a little bit. Um, there were, there were definitely a few games that I saw 
in watching through the the full length of some of these press conferences that were sort of striking in being different from what's already out there and left me with the impression of, you know, that's interesting. I, I might check out something like that. But at the same time, the audience during those moments felt very much like they were giving off a vibe of, okay, but just give me what I want. Right. Yeah, definitely. Uh, they um, Somebody was talking about, I can't remember who it was, but was talking about a press conference that they were at. And the audience seemed palpably to be upset until I think it was who runs those Call of Duty games? Activision. Activision. Okay, so it was Activision's mm-hmm. press conference, and they were revealing the new Call of Duty. And this person was noting that, and I wish I could quote who it was, but they noted that the audience just felt like uneasy until they announced, announced like, "Oh no, don't worry, there's a zombie mode." And then they, "Oh yeah," and it's like, okay, but. What, hmm, you know, like, where's the excitement for people, even themselves? Like, do you realize you're just playing the same thing with newer graphics? Why not? I don't know. I don't want to judge too harshly because, uh, you know, obviously it's entertainment and you enjoy what you enjoy. But it does feel at a certain pace to be kind of stagnant. And another point that Michael brought up is it gets buried. And, and like you just said, Starfield's coming out. Well, I hadn't heard of it, but my news feed is certainly full of what is Fallout 76? What could Fallout 76 possibly be? When is Fallout 76? What do you do in Fallout 76? You know, it's like, I don't care. Can I set up a filter? I mean, absolutely you can. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, people are excited about the thing they know that's coming up next. and. Yeah, you know, those sorts of games that are, you know, like the Starfield that's farther off or those other kinds sure. of some of the new announcements. Sure. It's hard to get people excited about something with a two minute trailer at the most, right? Yeah. So you know. I, I guess I, I, think I there worry are definitely about new the games coming of the franchises overall. Like the Halo franchise, the Gears of War franchise. You know, they're I don't want to say they're long I mean, in the tooth because they can be improved upon, they can find new stories to tell in single player modes. You can iterate the multiplayers. It's fine. Um, and you know, they're making a gears five, but also a gears tactics game. So. I would play a gears tactics game to be clear. It and looks so, like, a, it looks so, like XCOM. So, but the weight of that franchise could have pushed them to just keep making sequential gears of war games with minor improvements and telling me I could play gears of war XCOM is somewhat interesting. Um, and that's cool. And so I hope that watching all these, that the, we get more things like, hey, we made this thing in Black Flag that people really like. Can we make a whole game called Skull and Bones where we really flesh that out and make a naval combat game for the masses that's really fun to play? Yes. Cool. Awesome. I don't want to sound negative, but... No, I think there's stuff there. You just can't follow the most popular news sites and everything to find it because obviously they're covering the most popular things. Right. right? We got to get the clicks, yeah, you, dude. You, you got to work for it. Yeah. And this is, this is actually the first year that I've, I've made an effort to sit and watch a lot of the pressers all the way through. And I'm glad I have, because there's a lot of little stuff that would have gotten missed. Um, did you hear Andy, for instance, that there is DLC for Cuphead coming? Nope. There is DLC for Cuphead. So the best game of last year has DLC coming, and it's nowhere on any of the news feeds I read about E3. Yeah. Yeah, you got to work for it this year. That's Maybe my problem isn't the gaming industry, but gaming coverage. Hmm. <laughs> and maybe the problem is the coverage you're following is not the right coverage for you. I guess. That was We Were Gamers. A long look at uh, being disconnected from E3. Maybe we should go and we can find those stories and we can put them on our website. We won't talk about Halo. We'll talk about Cuphead DLC. Eh, seems expensive <laughs> you did for the too a lot early, of man. We haven't done our <laughs> outro yet. Cut it, rearrange it. It's all good. <laughs> we were gamers, the editing minute. Uh, well, what would that uh, website be? It would be uh, weweregamers.com. We're also on uh, Twitter and Instagram at weweregamers. Check us out. Uh, 
we also have a Facebook page uh, that you could follow us at, which is also We Were Gamers, uh, and we would be happy to hear your thoughts on E3 games that you're excited for. Uh, drop us a line there or at our email address, which is podcast at weweregamers.com. JJ, how do you uh, how do you feel about the Battletoads reboot that is apparently coming? Is is it really? Like. <laughs> Why? <laughs> oh, we didn't even talk about the week of why. Uh, no. Oh, so Tune many. in next week. The month of why. Mm-hmm.